0: You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White. And today I want to give you a 50 day program update and talk about forming habits versus your circadian rhythm. This is the latest update on my 50 day program. At around 25 days in, I want to share some of my results and key learnings so far. It's been super eye opening. You think that changing habits is going to be easy and straightforward, it looks simple on paper. But often what happens in real life is a lot different. And I also want to cover what I've learned about how habit forming is is easier when you have a structure, but the stickability of the habit is easier if you honour your circadian rhythm, which is a bit more dynamic and fluid. And this might explain to you why you've struggled to stick to programs in the past. And I'm going to talk about a few solutions to help you hack that. So let's start with some results so far and the first one is around eating habits. I can certainly say without a doubt that some of my key results after 25 days have been impressive and very important for me personally. If you haven't heard my previous episodes on this program I've developed this 50-day program for myself based on things that I want to change or improve and in the terms of eating I started by eliminating white flour and sugar and then last episode I mentioned tweaking my macro ratios and so what I've done since then and and up until now is I've used the app called My Fitness Pal to track all of my meals and workouts for a couple of weeks and what I really wanted to do is not to count calories or count macros or measure anything I'm not into that detailed stuff What I wanted to see was which meals work best for me in terms of energy, focus, getting rid of cravings, feeling satisfied and being productive. So I've used that app to track what I've been eating, to see what the macro ratios are, to see how the calorie balance is, but to understand what the impact has been on my performance. So I've done it as a kind of a fine tuning exercise and it's been really impactful. Here are some things that I have learned and which will stick with me for good. Firstly, I know exactly which breakfasts fuel me the best for energy, productivity and focus in the morning. I'm really clear and now I have a selection of three or four breakfasts that I can choose that I know will stand me in good stead until lunchtime properly filled up and ready to go so just to be clear with the My MyFitnessPal stuff I'm doing that in conjunction with a written diary of my performance and how I'm feeling during the day so that's been a huge win is understanding that breakfast thing because you know what it's like you often think what should I eat for breakfast or what should I have for lunch in order to achieve whatever goal so you need to get clear and do some experimenting to figure that out so I've totally nailed the breakfast. Lunch has always been tricky for me because I have wavered a bit with what I've chosen to eat for lunch or what time I've had lunch and often I've had chocolate cravings in the mid-afternoon. I've realized it's because some days I'm not eating enough or I'm not eating enough carbs at lunch or I'm eating lunch at the wrong time. So now through this process of fine-tuning I also have a clear understanding of exactly what to eat at lunchtime and what time to eat to fuel my afternoon of even energy without any chocolate cravings and without any hunger. So my lunch keeps me going till dinner. I feel satisfied, energized, focused and free of cravings. So that is an amazing result. I'm also really clear on the role that hydration plays in this whole thing. Being well hydrated and having these two litres a day has a huge role to play in my mental focus, my energy and my hunger levels and it works synergistically with what I'm eating. So what I've learned and what I'm saying is this, if I don't drink enough water, even if I eat the right meals for breakfast and lunch, I can still feel tired or sluggish or be at risk of having a chocolate craving. Water makes the difference in tipping me Into that space or not. That might be different for you or for anyone else but that's what I've learned about myself so now I'm very clear on the things that I need to focus on and keep doing going forward and I would only have known these things through this process of experimenting to figure it out. In any case right now in terms of my eating this is a great starting point for me because I'm really clear on which types of meals to eat to optimize my mental and physical performance And therefore I don't have to do any thinking work about that anymore. I don't have to wonder what should I eat? Oh, is this going to work? Is that going to work? It's not going to be whizzing around in my head. I can plan my meals ahead. I can prep them in advance and just enjoy them. And no diet plan that somebody gave me could ever have done this for me. I know what works for me. I'm acutely aware now of my true hunger signals. And I've noticed that when I get stressed or feel flustered or rushed, that's when I'm likely to want to eat chocolate. But I realize that it's a craving for chocolate and comfort eating, uh, for comfort rather, rather than any need for food. I notice intuitively because I've really tapped into my actual hunger that, oh, this isn't hunger. This is boredom, or this isn't hunger. This is a craving for comfort or some sort of relief. And that's been a really important learning and awareness for me. So now that I'm in a really good place with my hydration and my eating, it means that I can notice those stress-related chocolate urges when they come up. I can sit with the urge and, oh, okay, I'm feeling like a bit of chocolate. I'm going to sit with that for a moment. I'm going to have some water and then I let it go. So I'm not trying to avoid the craving or pretend it doesn't exist or distract myself. I'm noticing it and saying, sorry, craving, I'm not rewarding you. And every time I do that, every time I notice the craving and sit with it and let it pass and not reward it with a, with chocolate, I'm breaking that cycle. So it's really important. And I know that if I didn't have my hydration and eating in order, then I would probably be giving into to that chocolate craving. That's what's been happening until this program. I'm totally in control of my eating. I haven't mentioned dinner, but it's pretty much along the same lines. And I'll talk more about that in the next episode. My results so far with exercise have been mixed. My morning walks have happened on most days. And when I walk in the morning, I notice it's such a great start to the day. I have precious quality time with my husband because he's often joining me. I'm getting outside, I'm being with nature, I'm feeling like a speck in the world rather than feeling the weight of the world upon me. It's just such a great shift in my headspace. I've been a bit sporadic with my exercise in the afternoon and it seems to be related to my work schedule and my energy levels. Here's the explanation I have. You probably have this for yourself, there's a certain time of day that you prefer to exercise right? Well mine's in the afternoon, that's when I feel strongest. I like to do strength training in the afternoon because that's when I feel most awake and alive and and ready. The trouble is that the time I like to exercise often coincides with my meetings. So in this 50-day program I have managed to exercise better on days when I'm not teaching at night and when I don't have late afternoon meetings. On those days, exercise ends up happening while I'm making dinner on those late days. And that's not ideal because it means a shorter workout, a less intense workout, and it feels like it's just an ad hoc thing to cram it in. If I've had a rushed or mentally busy day, I feel too drained to exercise in the afternoon. And really, morning exercise doesn't suit me apart from walking. I'm still grappling with this one, Stay tuned, but I think there's going to be a solution in rearranging my working hours to allow me the time and focus to do the exercise. And this is kind of leading me into this concept of habit forming versus circadian rhythm. There's this structure required for for habit forming and then there's this dynamic and fluid nature of your circadian rhythm. And I want to talk about that now. I've been analyzing my process, my progress and reflecting on what's been going on in this fifty day program. And I've come to the conclusion that habit forming is really difficult for a lot of people because of the clash between a fairly fixed life schedule and a natural circadian rhythm. You probably feel like this yourself. It's great to think about having a set structure to follow, but when the time comes, you're too tired or you have an appointment at that time. How do you get around that? I've had this same conversation with a client recently who's on her own program. I mean, we as humans live in a society that runs their days on a fixed schedule. You set an alarm to get up in the morning, you have to be at work at a certain time. And you have responsibilities outside of work that are probably also driven by the clock. Cooking a family meal, taking the kids somewhere, that kind of thing. The thing is that our bodies don't run like that. Our bodies run on a circadian rhythm that changes through the year based on day length and sunlight and temperature and a whole bunch of other environmental factors. Our bodies are designed to adapt to changing seasons and yet we have this fixed 52-week schedule for our lives. And this is the confounding factor. Thinking about the exercise equation I mentioned earlier, I like to exercise in the afternoon because that's when I feel most energised and that is actually the best time to exercise, when you feel most energised. But your most energised time might happen in the middle of a board meeting or when you're taking your kids to soccer. And so what happens is that you end up exercising or eating at suboptimal times for your personal rhythm. And that's why it might be so hard for you to follow a particular exercise plan or to form the habit of going to the gym at the same time each day for a whole year, or to be able to eat the same food each day at the same time. Our bodies change in response to the seasons and our stage of life and our needs change. So what this means for you is if that you try to if you try to follow a set exercise program with the same time every day or the set eating pattern with the same foods at the same time every day it looks easy on paper but the likelihood is that you will fail at some point because your biology will shift you in a different direction and your needs will change and that schedule won't fit with what you need at the time The other part of this is really interesting I think, and habit formation is easier with some degree of consistency. We all know that you need to do things repeatedly for a certain amount of time before a habit becomes automated. So in that sense, having a set day or time to do something makes sense in theory, but perhaps not in practice. I learned all of this in my biology degree, in my metabolic typing, advisor training, my personal training qualifications, my coaching certification, and through over 4,000 hours of coaching clients, but I've only just realized the gravity of this situation by doing my own 50-day program and experiencing it for myself. Amazing. <laughs> anyway, it just goes to show nobody's perfect and it doesn't matter how qualified and experienced you are, you're still going to struggle with this. So how do we juggle habit formation that likes structure with a circadian rhythm that likes flexibility and our fixed schedule for work and life. I have a few ideas that I want to sketch out now and flesh out more in another episode and I've got five ideas for you right now. The first idea is that flexible work is the way to work around some of these things. For example, finding ways to adjust your start times, your finish times, your days off and meetings means that you're going to be more likely to honour and leverage your circadian rhythm. Maybe you need to adjust your work to to get your meal timing right or your exercise and it may change on different days but flexible work allows you to do that. Supplementing is something I'm currently doing and will continue because If you can't get it right all the time and if you can't eat really great food all the time, you're going to have gaps and supplementing is something I'm going to continue. For me, it makes a huge difference and I know after using my fitness pal, especially that it's very difficult to meet all of your nutrient needs in a day, even with a good diet. I've been taking USANA supplements for 15 years because of their science-based backing, their quality manufacturing process and proven efficacy and that works for me And I'm going to continue doing that to fill any of those gaps. So, my first two tips are to consider how you can develop a more flexible work schedule and to consider what supplementing might do to help you. Even magnesium at night can help you to sleep better, for example. But my third tip is seasonal exercise. This is a no brainer for me, and I've been doing it for years. If you're from the fitness industry or you've done anything with personal training or professional sport, you've probably heard of something called a periodized training program. If not, then what this means is that if you're an athlete in a competitive sport, you break your year into segments where you do different types of training. There's a preparation phase at the start of the season, an intense training phase, and then a competition phase leading up to the finals, and then you have a rest and recovery phase, which is also called the off-season. We do this in sport because you can't push your body hard all the time. And for me, it totally makes sense for those of us who aren't professional athletes too. So I like to surf in the warmer months, in summer, and in winter, I like to do more indoor-based activities and more walking. So my exercise routine adjusts seasonally and I might still continue strength training through the year but my overall pattern and type of exercise will change. For me the biggest struggle is the day-to-day of fitting it in and that's something that I'm working on and adjusting my schedule around. Just on that too and and leading on from seasonal exercise is the idea of seasonal eating. It's a no-brainer and I am a huge advocate. As a biologist, I've done a lot of research into this and research shows that if you eat in-season produce, it is more nutrient-rich and it's also cheaper to buy in-season produce because there is a glut at the time. So when a plant is in its peak growing season it's got more nutrients in it and there's more of that particular food so you'll find it at a lower price in the grocery store. I also know that if you eat the same food over and over and over all year round you're more likely to develop a temporary intolerance. So it's actually better for your body to change what you're eating based on seasonal availability You're more in tune with nature and it's giving your body a break, just like the exercise. So once again, for me, food choice isn't really the issue because I eat like that anyway. I save up for Christmas and I look forward to eating cherries then and not for the rest of the year and those sorts of things. It's more about fine tuning the meals in each season so I can keep my energy, focus and productivity up. So what are you thinking about right now as I'm talking about these seasonal adjustments, about this agility in work? Well, what does it take when you're so focused and you have your head down and you're busy doing, 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 doing stuff? The way to make this work, the way to be agile and to live and eat seasonally is to stand back and reflect and plan. And those are the last points that I want to make. All of those other points are really relevant and important. But you can only effectively implement seasonal changes if you stand back from your busy life, take stock and do a plan each week or each day to fit in all of the health giving activities that you need and want to do. So for me every Monday morning I'm looking at the week ahead thinking when will my exercise fit in, when will I have my meals. If I had a more fixed work schedule that would be easy but my work schedule is quite disjointed. So I have to be a bit more agile than most people. But it's something to consider is that planning and zooming out really helps you to nail it. So just to wrap up today's episode, I updated you on my midway results of my 50-day program and I discussed the importance of honouring your dynamic circadian rhythm so that you can be consistent and motivated with healthy habits. And that the challenges of doing this are operating within a more fixed framework of daily schedules and also the structure required to create habits and be consistent with them. It's a bit of a juggling act at first but I also did offer you some solutions in the form of considering seasonal eating and exercise, supplementing, aiming for flexibility in your work schedule at different times of the year perhaps, And, of course, to make it happen, the importance of reflection and planning to make those seasonal adjustments. This is what I'm going to be focusing on for the remaining 25 days of my program and maybe even into another 50-day cycle. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for being here today and I'll see you next time.